On this episode of Larry the Golf Guy, we talk with Tom Wildenhouse, who is the longstanding director of golf at Old Florida Golf Club, coming up on 30 years. Although, as you'll see when we talk with him, he does much more than just cover the golf operations. Uh, and uh, and significantly, he was uh, named the 2021 PGA Professional of the Year uh, which is the highest honor that the PGA awards to its uh, PGA professionals. And we've had the good fortune to have on the show a number of folks um, who have won that award, Tom Addis, Gary Cosby, Jeff Kitty, um, a number of others, and um, uh, Tom joins that list. Uh, So we talk with Tom about how he got started in the game growing up in uh, central Michigan, uh, and um, how he got started uh, uh, in South Florida, uh, first at Quail Creek and um, for coming up on 30 years at Old Florida Golf Club, and also the many uh, things that he has done at the section level and at now at the national level of PGA, uh, including on the foundation side for the South Florida PGA section. Uh, he is, um, as I mentioned at the end of this podcast, he's so modest, but uh, there's a just a wonderful YouTube video about him that uh, the PGA put together when he was honored with its um, PGA Professional of the Year award that is just wonderful to see. So upcoming on this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, Tom Wildenhouse of Old Florida Golf Club. Well, welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy. And I'm so pleased today to have joining us Tom Wildenhouse who was at the old Florida golf club in Naples, um, very decorated PGA professional, including the 2021 PGA golf professional of the year, which is as high as it gets. We've had a number of um, guests on uh, Jeff Kitty, Eric Eshelman, Kerry Cosby, Tom Addis, former winners. And um, we've got another one with Tom joining us today. Tom, thanks so much for making the time to speak with us today. Larry, thank you very much for having me. It's uh, that's quite a list. Uh, somehow, I don't see myself as accomplished as those men, but uh, <laughs> but I'm excited to be here with you today. And we're excited to have you. So, just um, to kind of get the ball rolling, maybe chat a little bit of kind of kind of where you grew up and kind of how you first got introduced to this great game. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, I grew up in Jackson, Michigan, which is west of Detroit by let's call it an hour and a half. Um, and as the story goes, my mom drops me off at the country club one day and says, I don't know what a caddy is, but you're going to be one because you're not sitting around the house all summer. <laughs> this went away when I was about seventh grade. And um, her father, my grandfather, played some golf. But according to my grandmother, the only reason he played was so he could go swear on the golf course because she wouldn't allow him to swear in the house. <laughs> but that was that's my introduction to golf right there. Uh, but caddying was so cool. But I found out after two summers that they'd actually pay me to drive the golf carts. Ah, a friend of mine was working in the bag room. He got me a job to, you know, to to fill out that staff for the summer, and that would have been the summer I was a freshman in high school. Um, and it was awesome. That really introduced me to hospitality. That really introduced me to golf. Um, I didn't play golf. Um, I had my grandfather's set of clubs after he passed. Um, didn't use them very well. But that was my introduction to golf. And and, and and working there at the Country Club at Jackson for PJ Professional Charlie Knowles was uh, 
an absolute great foundation for being in the business. In those days, I didn't know that's what I was going to do. But boy, as I look back on it, Charlie was a stickler for, for everything really high quality. And uh, customer service was a big deal to Charlie. And, and those are things that I have brought with me as I have gone through my journey in golf. But uh, didn't play high school golf, didn't play college golf, couldn't make the high school team, didn't go to college. So, um, and I wouldn't have made that team either. But uh, um, and here I am. So at Old Florida, next month will be 30 years. Uh, I spent five years as the head golf professional and transitioned to what they call the director of golf, which by title um, is not as uh, elaborate because my my job description is really more of a club manager. Yeah, and we're definitely going to get into that because that's one of the things, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of all the people we've had on who, <laughs> like you, have sort of started as, you know, the PGA golf professional and moved on um, to, you know, much broader roles. We just had Jim Richardson on. Yeah. From our neck of the woods, Riviera is a good example of that. Of course, I know, you know, obviously head of the PGA, Rob Oosterhouse, another one. But before we get there, let's sort of go back. So you're caddying, not really playing, you know, competitively or anything. Um, how do you get, what was your sort of thought process to sort of become, decide you wanted a career in golf? And I know you know, you were at, I think, Quail Creek Country Club in Naples for a little bit before you ended up um, coming, as you say, almost 30 years, I think July 1993. So we're coming up on 30 years at Old Florida Golf Club. But what was sort of the thought process and journey as to how you said, hey, this is something I think I want to do a career in? Uh, you know what? It, it found me. I didn't find it. Um, I took a job in Cape Coral, Florida. Uh, a year or so after I got out of high school at the urging of an assistant golf professional, the country club of Jackson, where I grew up named Steve Casisto. He said, here's a job for you. If you're there on October 15th, the job is yours. If, if you're a day late, they're not going to hire you. So I, I managed to do the hardest thing I've ever had to do, which is tell my dad, I wasn't going to go back to college. He and I drove down and I got started Shortly after I was there, Steve Casisto, who was an assistant in Jackson, Michigan, got his first head professional job. He comes to me and says, I want you to be my first assistant at my very first job as a head pro. Nice. So I show up in late March. I thought, you know, I must be really good at this because I go right from high school to being a first assistant. <laughs> and, you know, I must be all kind of talented. So but it, it took about four months and I realized I was the first assistant. I was the shop person. I was the bag room person. I was the cart person. I was the range person. And um, that's when I realized that I had a lot of learning to do in the golf business. But that was sort of the kickstart with Steve Casisto giving me a call and saying, uh, hey, why don't you come work for me? Wow. Okay. So had you been to Florida before yeah. in your life? This is just, wow. So what was that? That's got to be kind of a big change. You grew up in the Midwest and, and you're in Michigan and grew up there, you know, in, in central Michigan. That's kind of a big transition, right? Well, yeah, definitely. Um, so a friend of mine had moved down. Um, Charlie Knowles had been a partner in a place called the Forest Country Club in Fort okay. Myers, Florida. Okay. Just where I'm at now. And uh, a friend of mine uh, gets out of college or, you know, finishes a couple of years of school, goes down to work for Charlie at the Forest. And that was my introduction. He said, look, I got a room for you to stay in if you want to come down. And, and, and so I came down. But it was a huge change. Uh, I remember being at Quail Creek. And, you know, this is a housing development, 36 holes. And right. when I first got down, I just couldn't believe that, you know, 
I thought, wow, this place must be really busy on a year-round basis. This is really going to be something. And then people started telling me how, no, 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 these are second homes. They they right. close these places up and they go back north to wherever they're from. Right. You know, right. we're, you know, and I was like, wow, this is my first real introduction to wealth. So I had no yeah. idea yeah. about coming from Jackson, Michigan, what wealth looked like. And this was my first introduction to that. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And um uh, it's interesting that you ended up on the west side of Florida. I mean, I, I grew up in the Northeast and I always, this is an overgeneralization, of course, isn't true in all cases, but, you know, I spent, I also lived in Chicago for uh, 11 years. So Midwest tends to go, if they're not going to Arizona, they, yeah. they tend to go to the west side of Florida, whereas the Northeast tends to go to the east side. So you were on the appropriate side of Florida for somebody <laughs> who who grew up in, in Michigan. So um, let's talk a little more about your time at Quail Creek. So it sounds like you were a jack of all trades there, that yeah. you were covering everything. Um, must have learned a tremendous amount, I imagine, in those, what, I think close to, what, seven years that you were there? Yeah, correct, seven years. Um, yeah, no, I, I learned a great deal. Um, you know, we didn't, as as golf professionals, we did not have any responsibility to the merchandising concession. They had a full-time professional merchandiser. But as I grew to learn, um, you know, uh, tournament operations, for example, you know, once we sort of got a feel for what that was really all about, you know, then I try to ch change my focus to learning how to teach a little bit better. So I spent a good amount of time learning and shadowing and, and, and taking some lessons myself just to see how people, you know, instructed others to learn this great game. And then as I got along in my career, my last year and a half, I spent a fair amount of time with the, uh, the merchandiser to really understand how she went about doing what she did. And she was she was really, really good at what what she did there at, at Quail Creek, and uh, yeah, tremendous, tremendous proving ground. Uh, uh, tough place to be and to work, but um, boy, in the end, it it really gave me a, a lot of a lot of lessons that I that I can learn from, and probably still use today. So you've got all that. Uh, you're sort of a great graduate degree, if you will, in club operations and and golf and stuff. Um, and we're now sort of around uh, midsummer of 1993, and uh, Old Florida Golf Club um, is where you end up getting a position. I'm so interested. You're a young guy yeah. at that point, um, and um, I don't know the facility particularly well. It looks beautiful from what I've you know been able to sort of gather from learning as I was preparing to chat with you, but. Um, was it was there a national search and you just were part of it? Was it how did you come to get that uh, position at Old Florida? Uh, lucky. Uh, <laughs> so in that in those years, this area was growing. They were building three and four new facilities a year, and we were small at that time. Uh, and so as an assistant pro, you could sort of see who was next up for that new club that was being built over here or over there. We all kind of had a sense of. And in those days, they 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 hired from within the Southwest Florida community a lot more than they do today. Got it. Um, but you could kind of tell. But Old Florida was being built by a very well-known golf professional. He was the kingpin of this place, Lynn Josephson. Um, and he was the he was the idea man. He came up with it. He found the founders. And so the, the common thought was, is this was kind of Lynn's place. He was going to run this place and there was no other, there's no other like head pro opportunities. Um, and as the story goes, I'm going to a second interview. I'm walking out of the locker room at Quail Creek. I've got the suit on and two members are walking in as I'm walking out. And one of them, Paul Tamraz, says to me, where are you going? I, I tell him where I'm headed. Second interview. I think this is going to be a good fit for me. And the first thing he says is don't go. 
Really? Said, don't go. I said, how can I not go? This is a relatively small community still at this time. And right, I said, everybody right. Knows everybody, I need to go. He said, I want you to meet this guy, Lynn Josephs in Old Florida. I'm going to be a founding member over there, and I want you to go to Old Florida. And his wow. the guy that was with him was Ken Ponticus, who was a spectacular man, died way too young. But he was a founding member here as well. Um, so as you can imagine, I had a terrible second interview with this place. I was totally preoccupied with the op the possibility of coming to a place like an old Florida. So in January of 93, uh, I get an interview with Mr. Josephson. We drive the golf course, which then uh, didn't have much turf, but they were doing a lot of shaping. The golf course wasn't quite finished. And in February of 93, uh, actually February 14th of 93, I was offered mm. the job and I started on July 7th of 93. We opened the golf course October 4th of 93. And one of the fun stories that I that I like to share with people is I yeah. walked in my first day on July 7th to work for Lynn Josephson and Old Florida Golf Club. He hands me four, four file folders. One was Titleist, one was Slazenger, one was Imperial, and I can't remember the fourth, but he says, This is all I've done to start the golf operation. You got to fix the, you got to, you got to finish <laughs> Here I am, a first time head golf professional, and this is all I've got. And uh, thank goodness for uh, Stephen Covey. Otherwise, I'd still be spinning my wheels. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, um, I know it's grown to quite a facility, but I mean, so you're in on the ground floor of this, um, it sounds like. Um, and, um, you know, I'm sort of curious um, uh, kind of how I know ultimately your role expanded, you know, beyond the golf operation. And as I was, I sort of mentioned quickly before, I mean, this is sort of an interesting thing I'm learning as I talk to a lot of your peers, um, there's more and more, um, I mean, Paul Levy and I talked about this in another PGA guy. I mean, you know, that more and more people sort of are um, uh, kind of going from just, you know, uh, you know, director of golf, which is significant enough in and of itself to sort of running more operations and becoming general manager, you know, our own, I don't know if you know, Patrick Casey out here at Brentwood who was here for 20 years and he wanted to do that. So he, went from head professional, uh, I keep using the term head professional, director of golf, um, to, you know, being GM at a, at a club in Orange County. So I'm curious, kind of, how did that happen? Is it sort of, did you, is this something you kind of said, gee, I want to just expand my role? Was it a need thing, both? Kind of, how did that happen for you? <laughs> uh, again, lucky, Larry. And that's going to be a theme through this whole thing. There isn't anybody <laughs> luckier than I am when it comes time of career in golf. Um I had been here five years. Um, we were really still in our infancy, um, but things were really moving along quite well. And that Lynn Josephson that I spoke to had pulled me into the office one morning and said, I'm leaving. I said, okay, when are you coming back? He said, no, I'm leaving, leaving. And they mm. want you to take over. Mm. And that's how I got to be more in the club management side of things. Um, I remember going home after a couple of weeks, got my hand and my face in my hands. I said to my wife, you know, I don't think I'm going to last very long. I think they 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 didn't know how to get rid of me, so they put me in a role that I wasn't qualified for <laughs> so they could fire me. And uh, that was just about, uh, I don't know, 25 years ago. I've, I've fortunately been in this role. But what, what they were looking for, I've come to learn what they were looking for back then when Mr. Josephson left Old Florida was um, they were looking for somebody younger that was eager, that wanted to grow with the facility, that wasn't looking to hop around and, and sort of make a name for themselves at, you know, high end profile from one spot to another. They wanted someone to grow and, and, and learn their way. 
And I've been super fortunate that they allowed me to do that. And as I've said a number of times, you know, I un I thought I understood golf and the hospitality of golf and the, the operations of golf and running this side of the business where, where I lacked any experience or knowledge was in food and beverage and finance. Um, and super fortunate to work for the same club president for all my time here at Old Florida. And he's oh, wow. allowed me, wow. yeah, he's yeah. allowed me to grow into this role and you know, make some mistakes. Fortunately, I haven't made anything that's cost us a whole, whole lot of money, but just allowed me to grow into this role, which I feel very comfortable with today. Wow. So, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, I mean, are you kind of, so you're, are you still kind of doing all the golf stuff in addition? All, it just seems like there's a lot, a lot you're covering. Um, Do you sort of still kind of do do lessons or do all that stuff in addition to kind of overseeing the other operations and non-golf aspects of the club? Well, Larry, I don't want to ruin my reputation in the industry because everybody thinks I don't work very hard. So I'm going to tell you, no, I don't do anything at all. all day. I just walk around. <laughs> I just impressed. There's a lot to cover, right? I mean, it's a big place. Yeah, you know, it it's a wonderful place. It's I don't know about how big we are, but you know, our clubhouse is uh around 13,000 square feet. That's it. It just covers our golf needs. But I've got a really good young head golf professional. Um I'm taking a step back away from the golf operation a little bit now. I'm pushing him more out front. Nolan Ream, um he's just been accepted into the PGA League class of 2023, so really starting his leadership journey right now and and he's going to be fantastic. I don't know if he knows it but he's going to be fantastic. Um, and I'm doing the same thing in the other parts of the operation. So I'm taking just a little step back and kind of collaborating with these people because they've been with us long enough now to where they can help with the forecasting and the budgeting and the execution of those budgets. And I'm overseeing things from a few feet away just to make sure that, um, you know, and there's no landmines that that can really, really derail us. I'm still very involved. Um, I'm a doer more than I am a, a sit back and delegate. I would rather, I'd rather clear the, the plates in the in the dining room to help out in a busy day or add range balls to the to the range tee. You know, I, I'd rather be doing those things and stepping back and asking people to take care of these kind of things. So I'm more of a doer, but uh, I'm trying to learn how to step back, let the team, let the team take over. And um, but yeah, it's you know, it's you know, I'm in charge of membership sales. Wow. You know, I'm in charge of yeah. finances, the locker rooms, the clubhouse. The only thing that I don't personally oversee is the golf course. So our superintendent and myself answer to the club president on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And we get our direction from the board after after any board meeting that we might have. Got it. Got it. Um, so we're going to I'm going to get into sort of all of your awesome, you know, contributions and the PGA, both the section level and national level. But just before I move over to that area, um, just as you look back on your tenure at Old Florida, which, as we talked about earlier, is um, just about at 30 years, uh, which is really impressive to sort of be in a place for for that long. Um, what are you most proud of in terms of as you look back um, in, in all the stuff that you've managed to to accomplish there? Anything kind of stick out in your mind in particular? Um, you know, I've I've. Uh... I've been involved in a lot of different things, Larry, and 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 I'm really proud of of what Old Florida has become. I'm I'm sort of the second gatekeeper of Old Florida. Lynn Josephson was the first, and and our founding members. 
Um, I don't know what they saw in me 25 years ago to take over as kind of the face of this place. But, um, and we may never know, but, but uh, super fortunate and super happy and proud of what old Florida has become. Um, the letters and emails we receive from members and guests at the end of every season or event that we might run and um, proud of our team that we have here. They're um, they work incredibly hard. Uh, and I'm sure you've heard this from a lot of, a lot of other folks. We're, we're just fortunate to have a really good core group of people here that, um, you know, whether, whether it's here or whether it's my section stuff or my national service, you know, I, I, uh, as the leader, if you will, I get a lot more credit than I really deserve. There's a lot of people working under me that just sort of prop me up and make me look good. And, uh, I couldn't be more happy and proud of them. And, and, um, you know, in 2021 with the, the national honor that I received, it really did give me an opportunity to stop and say, wow, why is this even coming my way? I mean, I filled out all the paperwork myself, but <laughs> it really made me and allowed me to pause instead of just pushing forward. And as I said that night of that that ceremony, which was which was phenomenal. Um, you know, it was an Abraham Lincoln quote, and I'm probably not going to get it completely right, but um, any success that I have had is because I had friends that truly believed in me and I didn't have the heart to let them down. And I feel that way about the founding members and Mr. Josephson here at Old Florida. I just don't want to let them down. And the people in our section that allowed me to serve, I want to just try to keep making it better. And now that I've kind of stepped into some national stuff, um, I feel the same way that all the people around me are what really give me my motivation to try to push forward and, and, and do whatever little part I can do to make things better. That's wonderful. Um, and uh, and I do want to sort of get into the section stuff because you have been very active um, in um, the South Florida PGA section, and then we'll get to the national stuff. But there's a few things uh, I want to get your thoughts on in terms of the South Florida section. So um, maybe just starting with, you know, kind of what made you become so active in the section? And just for listeners, I mean, you were on the board of directors of the South Florida PJ section for a number of years. You were section president back in 2003 for a couple of years. So obviously really active in the section. I mean, what, what made you sort of say, hey, this is something I want to sort of take part in and kind of what do you think of as your kind of significant accomplishments at the section level when you were so active in the section? Yeah, thank you. Um, so it, it got started with Bill Whaley. Um, he was a section president at the time. And as you may know, he's married to Susie Whaley, who is yeah. the former president of the PGA of America. Yeah, absolutely. And Bill has become a nice confidant for me, but he asked me to be the education chair at the section. But before that, I really had a great I had a really great model for it. Lynn Josephson had gone up through the chairs as a section officer. Mm. I got a chance to see what that looked like. He encouraged me, but it was Bill Whaley that invited me in, asked me to serve as the education chair. Um, and after two years there, I decided to run for secretary. I, I, I lost that election. So I served as the education chair for two more years and then one uh, election to secretary the next year and then worked my way through the chairs. Um, Super proud. I, I don't know if I personally had any direct um, big wins, Larry, in, in, in being the, the section president or an officer or whatever. But I, what I what I can't tell you is I think I was a 
a part of putting one more brick in the section's ability to purchase its own building, its own first home, which 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 we did a few years back. It was in Atlantis, Florida, over on the East Coast. And then mm-hmm. we've recently sold that and built a new office in uh, in West Palm Beach, uh, mm. much bigger to allow for some expansion and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I look at my time of service, that's what I think of. I think of, I w- you know, I was a part of setting uh, the stage for the section to really own its own building, which was something that was a goal of presidents and boards prior to me. So I feel really good about being able to participate that way. But again, there was just droves of people that that really made that happen versus what I did. And, um, you know, one thing that caught my eye that I wanted to ask you about is the foundation, Um, (laughs) because um, uh, I'm on the board of not the PGA out here, but the Southern California Golf Association. So the LA and we have the most probably significant piece of the whole SCGA is our foundation. Um, And um, and so that really caught my eye. Um, and um, and in particular, I, some of the Habitat for Humanity stuff that you were involved in. Maybe talk about that, because that sounds like that must have been very rewarding and and, and really some neat stuff. Uh, it was still very rewarding. I'm, I'm still serving on the board. Um, I keep asking our executive director, Jeff Lofsted, you know, what's the length of my term? And he'll t- he keeps telling me, <laughs> I'll tell you when you're done. Um, but... Um, and I'm not eager to step away because it is extremely rewarding. So back in 2010, the the section president at that time said, look, we have a foundation. It just sort of exists to exist. And we either need to do something with it or we need to just stop focusing, you know, putting any effort into it at all. So he, he, he asked three professionals in the area to um, from South Florida to chair this, put a plan together. And then ultimately we became officers for the foundation. And we put these missions into place and we've always done um, a scholarship, but we've recently here in the last four years, uh, two years, I think maybe four years, we now offer a $20,000 scholarship for one individual that, you know, one that goes off to college. And, and we're really, really proud and excited about that. We have a program called Smiling for Life, where we have PJ professionals that will go into the children's floor of hospitals and use the snag wow. equipment and teach those kids golf and, and wow. you know, seeing the kids smile when they're super sick and in some cases, you know, very, very sick. Yeah. Is really cool. But what's really, really touching is when you see their parents and see the smiles on their parents' face, watching their child be able to be a kid for an hour a week, um, going through such awful medical problems. You know, that's really, really touching. Uh, obviously, we have PJ Hope, which is exploding. And and, and we've already, we just had, a, I think we have another graduation here in Naples tomorrow. Oh, wow. um, so we're serving a bunch of veterans. And that program, as you've most likely heard, is, is not changing lives, it's saving lives. And, yeah. and there are stories throughout the country where golf has saved a person's life um, or and has made it way more tolerable to get over the things that they experienced while they were in service of our country. So um, super excited about that. Uh, we also have our junior golf, which falls under the foundation umbrellas, which continues to explode down here. All of our events will be full. We're now year round um, something around 15 or 1800 um, juniors that play in our five different levels of junior golf. Um, so we, we have a lot of different things. You mentioned habitat for humanity. Um, I'm, I'm, 
I'm coming to learn that that might be my uh, <laughs> what I'm known for the most about the foundation. So a year or so ago, Jeff Lofsted, our executive director, walked in my office. He had this little plaque for me, and it was called the uh, Crooked Nail Award. And I know, <laughs> your, I know your viewers won't be. Yeah, able to yeah, this it. perfect. Look at that. I love but it. That's a I nice won the plaque. Crooked Nail Award, which, in all honesty, this nail only has one bend in it. Most of the nails that I pound will have a two nail, two bends. Um, but uh, again, super impactful uh, opportunity to serve there. Um, once you meet the family, you hear their stories and you meet the kids and those kids pick, they show you the room that they picked out, their first room they've ever had. Um, boy, oh boy, it makes you want to go back every time and build another like house and, and help out. It's a, And it's great to be able to be side by side with other PGA members. Um, and connect in a really different way than we're used to. Usually we're at a tournament or some sort of education platform or some sort of governance platform. Right. This right. is something completely different. Most of us have zero skills in this area. And, and it's just a super way for us to connect. But at the same time, we know we're connecting over a greater cause, which is building a very safe and secure home for a family that's super well-deserved. Yeah, that's just awesome. And um, yeah, I've seen some of the videos with you and being at the half of your minute. It's it's <laughs> awesome. Um, so let me sort of get to um, your uh, what I mentioned at the outset, your, you know, winning the 2021 PGA Golf Professional of the Year, which, you know, is the highest honor that you can have as a PGA member. And I I, I've rattled off some of the other folks we've had on um, that, and you're right with them in terms of winning that. I know you'd won a number of section awards, you know, Strasbourg Award, Horton Smith. You know, ultimately, for people to know, you were, you know, inducted in the South Florida PGA Hall of Fame um, in 2011. So incredibly decorated career um, in Florida. But you then sort of get the call for this, you know, the highest national honor you can have as a PGA member. And it's, you know, it's a huge organization with a lot of folks. So that's an, an, an amazing, impressive thing to be named that. Talk to me, what was your reaction when you heard about that? And um, what is, what was it like, you know, cause that gives you, you know, that's a big deal. Uh, what was it like sort of winning that and stuff for you? Well, it's, it's, it's been a year plus since I got the original phone call. Um, and I'm still not sure there. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I won't go into the whole story, but getting that call from Jim Richardson, who, who he and I know each other pretty well. Uh, we must've talked for 15 minutes about work life, the dogs. Um, <laughs> and then it's, Oh yeah, by the way, you know, it's like, wow. You know, you could have led with that. But, right. Um, it's a it's a day, December 3rd, uh, that I'll never, ever forget. Um, I still get a little uh, choked up just thinking about that call with him because he's he's been such a good mentor and friend to me as I've stuck my toe into national governance. And um, uh, I think the world of Jim and to get that call from him was was really, really fun. And uh, uh I I think it was most my being with my family during that time was really cool because um, my family, as much as they know, I'm not around that much because they're all still back in Michigan, but they know I'm involved. They know I'm doing stuff, but I don't really talk to them a lot about it because there's no context for them. Right. But to share that with them was, was um, really, really cool. But I think the place that I 
really enjoyed it the, the most was with our section. Um, I remember calling Jeff Lawstead, our executive director, and Meredith Schuler, who's our assistant executive director, two people that I'm very, very close with and I've worked with for a long time. Um, and telling them was about as emotional as anything. It was about as emotional as telling my wife um, because it, it, they just mean so much to me. Sure. Uh, in that section, giving me an opportunity to lead and grow and, and make mistakes and get over them and, and learn and grow some more. And it, it just was really, really meaningful. But to to be on that stage with those people and get that kind of attention was uh, a little unnerving, but uh, super, super exciting. Um, too bad more people can't have that experience. It was it was outstanding. I bet. Uh, that's so, so neat. Um, and um, uh, let me sort of um, get you out of here on sort of one more general question. Um, I suspect I've, I've asked this of a number of your peers because um, I got a lot of circulations probably over a year ago. This Golf Digest article came out that I'm sure you're familiar with that sort of Oh, I guess I would say painted um, a somewhat dark picture um, of the life of a golf professional and work-life balance issues and the like. And um, I'm just sort of curious as someone who's, you know, at the pinnacle of their profession, you've had this tremendous career, um, kind of your thoughts on that and maybe as a way to focus those thoughts, kind of how you would think about, you were talking to a younger person who's, you know, in their early 20s, say, and thinking about this career and they see that article or whatever, I mean, kind of your thoughts on that and maybe kind of what you, what you would um, say to someone who's, you know, in that position, who's starting out. Yeah. I think the article brought to light, you know, some things about our industry that maybe aren't as glamorous as we want them to be or as positive as we want them to be. But on a personal note, I didn't know any better. I mean, and I look forward to being in the business. Um, um, yeah, it was my life. Um, still is to some extent, but um, I think there are per certain times in any career path where you really have to get your feet in there. You got to get in and you got to get going and you got to put in more hours than you think you really should be. And there is no balance. Um, but the balance comes, that's the reward. The balance is the reward for having put all that time in and gotten very good at your craft, no matter whether it's golf or something else. So while, while, while we have a ways to go in our industry and educating our boards and our club owners and, and municipalities that run and operate golf courses, we have a ways to go as far as the work-life balance. I'm not saying the way I grew up in the business is the right way. There's probably a different way and a better way. Um, but it's uh, it was my way and, and I wouldn't change it because it allowed me to be hyper-focused on being very good at what I did. And then the benefit came later as I grew up in the business and was able to control my own schedule. Um, what I would tell a young person in the business is that there, you know, if you're looking to get in because you really love golf and you, you're, um, you know, you, you, you want to just sort of fit in, in golf in the middle of our industry there, it's very crowded. There's a lot of very good people in our business and it's very crowded in that place. But if you want to be very good and exceptional and stand out, there's plenty of room at the top. There's always room at the top for people exceptional in what they do. And I would encourage them to, to go that route versus just getting stuck at being good. I've got a good job. I've got this really be different, really stand out, really find a way in whatever part of our industry it is. You want to be a mentor and, you know, hope one day to win the national Strasbourg award, do the things you need to do to do right. that. Right. 
You know, right. you you want to be a teacher and a coach of players, do the things that you need to do to do those things. But it's a tremendous lifestyle. There's things that go on in our industry. And, and, and if I hire a, an assistant professional that I can't put on the compensation package, the number of dinners that you get to go to, the ball games with perfect seats on the 50-yard line or center ice, um, the the plane rides in the in the private planes, you know, if you're in the private sector. Um, the, the golf trips that you that you go on with your membership and the things that go on and the relationships and the friendships are great. It really is a fantastic lifestyle. Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. And it's in our business, you don't really work from home. You got to be seen. Um, and so uh, if you want to be good, you want to be exceptional and be at that top tier, there's plenty of room. And I, I always encourage the young people that, that come in and sit with me to to really shoot for the stars because uh, you never know how high you can go. I never thought I'd be where I am. There's no way in the world, Larry, that we'd be sitting here talking today. There's no way that's not even possible, but yet here we are. And, and, you know, I think it has a lot to do with a lot of the foundations that I got from my family about being, you know, hard worker, Charlie Knowles, instilling the quality and then, and then really just not wanting to let a lot of people down. So I just continue to grow and stuff. And I appreciate listening to your podcast. I listen to a lot of others just to try to grow and learn. I do a lot of reading um, and on some online courses in the leadership space now as well. So uh, um, I would encourage any young person that's coming into business to find your niche and then go after it with, with unapologetic passion. Just, just go do it. Because, you know, as, as Coach Wooden said, when opportunity arises, it's too late to get prepared. So, right. That's, oh, that's one of his many, many friends, yeah. wonderful phrases. Right. Um, that, that, that's awesome. Um, and, um, you know, and great advice. Um, Tom, I, I really appreciate the time. And I would encourage, but Tom is such so modest. I mean, you know, one of the things I love looking at um uh as as i was getting ready for us to chat was the um video that i think the pga put together when you won um that's on youtube um five or six minutes and it is just it is a wonderful even though i didn't know you before this i mean it was just wonderful to watch some of the people you ticked off at this section i remember meredith in particular talking about you other people the, the founding members talking about you and stuff. I mean, it was just wonderful. I mean, the 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 respect that just came right through the screen, you know, listening to those people talk about you was just awesome. So I want to congratulate you. It's not over yet, but, you know, so far, I congratulate you on just an awesome career and really appreciate you joining us today. Well, Larry, thank you so much. I I, I really appreciate the the kind words and appreciate what you're doing for golf by highlighting all the different things that go on in our game and our industry. So thank you for what you do for the game of golf. I appreciate it. Thank you.